Hey everyone, today I sit down with Mason Mashan. Mason is a photographer, a writer, biker, surfer, and pretty much just like an all-around legend. I've known Mason for a little while now and gone on a couple different surf trips with him. His photography is super unique and mostly because he lives pretty much one of the most unique lives of anyone that I've ever met. Like one week he's living in his teepee deep in the Canadian backcountry skiing and the next week he's surfing a remote surf break on the BC coast out here in Canada. His work can be found on his website, masonmachon.com or just look up Mason Mashon, M-A-S-H-O-N on Instagram. In this episode, we run through how Mason got into photography, his experience in university, uh, some kind of crazy experiences he's had in the backcountry, like dragging a plane up a wet beach as the tide's rolling in and trying to sweep the plane out into the ocean. Uh, we talked about the time he spends up at his teepee, which he's set up in a few different spots in Canada and uh, up in Alaska as well. If you haven't seen his teepee set up, you should check it out for sure. You can Google Mason Michon and then teepee and it'll probably pop up. You can read the article. I left this conversation super excited just to get out there and do some more exploring. Mason lives such a cool life and yeah, you'll, you'll hear that in the next or the next hour. But uh, yeah, here is a chat with photographer, writer and athlete Mason Michon. All right, let's get into it. I'm sitting here with Mason, and yeah, I've been I've known you for a while now. Gone on a couple trips together, uh, but I actually don't know your history and how you got into photography at this level. So I mean, if you'd rewind it back to like high school or something, whenever it started. Yeah, well, you know, photography. I mean, my my dad had a camera when I was growing up, a pretty nice one. So I was always like pulling it out of the closet and like looking at it didn't know how to use it so there's always been like a a spark of interest for for taking photos um and that started at a fairly early age um you know so i got my first camera it was like a 110 film camera like one of those yeah. like like flat bodied ones um <clears throat> and that i just started shooting you know pictures of whatever and then um then I started just taking my mom's point-and-shoot film camera, mm -hmm. and we would, you know, take that out on our adventures and, and shoot photos of each other riding bikes or, yeah. or whatever, jumping off cliffs, skiing. This is with your dad? No, this was, this was just, like, friends. with my friends. Okay, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, my, my, my dad was, was shooting photos, um, uh, not professionally, but mm -hmm. just as a, as a hobbyist. And, yeah. And so I was always kind of, you know, interested in that, and... And yeah, so that that's always kind of been a part of of my life, regardless. Mm -hmm. um, so all through high school, you were just shooting for fun with your friends, biking, skating, surfing, whatever you were doing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it wasn't surfing yet, okay. but it was yeah, just like you know, skiing and snowboarding. Yeah, in the winter and like you know, GT snow racers and whatever. Yeah. We'd always just want to take pictures of each other. Yeah. So was it kind of like the whole group was down to take photos, or were you? more than other people taking the photos. I mean, I, I had access to my mom's yeah. camera, so I usually brought it. Okay. But know? it wasn't like your kind of passion for it didn't shine through yet. You were just no. looking to get a cool shot. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. just like, oh, we're going to build this huge jump or whatever and yeah. hit it and like get a sweet photo. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> like it wasn't, and they weren't that sweet, <laughs> you know, there wasn't like any, any like yeah. technical merit to, to what we were doing. 
but uh, but yeah, it, I mean, it, that was just really the beginning of it. Yeah, was just being out there and, and shooting shooting photos of each other, and and that just progressed. Um, once I left Vernon, where I grew up, um, I moved down to Victoria mm-hmm. and went to university there, and, and that's where I met um, the Valers crew. So yeah. they were just kind of starting out, and you know, it was just like. They were, you know, so for people like, who don't know who they are, can you just give a little background? Well, Valer's originally, like when it started, was just a bunch of university kids that mm-hmm. were, you know, making videos and and publishing them online, which was fairly new at the time. You know, there wasn't much content available yeah. online at the time, so this would have been two thousand three, two thousand four. Yeah, and um, so I caught wind of these guys, and they were like throwing huge house parties like just up the street from where where my parents had moved to oh so your parents so, moved to victoria with you yeah well yeah. My, my dad moved down first and then i stayed in vernon until i graduated high school just because like you know i didn't want to leave yeah a big shift in, in high school in grade 11 or whatever so yeah I, was like, I did that it was brutal <laughs> yeah i was like i knew how how rough it would have been you know yeah. making new friends and dealing with that and you know, being in a new place, I was like, you know, my mom was willing to stay, stay back in, in Vernon, my younger sister and I, and, and, you know, finished out high school and then yeah. moved down the next fall. And, and, uh, so anyway, yeah, my, my, my dad had bought a place and just up the road, like I was driving home one day and I just saw this, like a line of people like walking up this, the road. I was like, where are you guys going? They're like, Oh, there's a party up the street. <laughs> So I was like, sweet, well, that's awesome. And just like my buddy and I, we roll up and there's just this huge house party, the biggest house party I've ever seen. Yeah. There was like and you're six, in first year university? First year so university. So you're just scouting the, yeah, the area. Didn't yeah. know anyone. Yeah. You know, I just had one friend that had moved down to start a business mm-hmm. with his dad. And so we were, it was just pretty much us and yeah. we're hanging out together all the time and and so anyway, we go to this house party and there's like 600 people there. And, um, I didn't know whose spot it was or, or whatever, but like, it was insane. There's like people <laughs> spilling out of the windows. It's what you imagine like, university or college should be. Yes. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I was like, wow, like this is insane. <laughs> yeah. And so later I found out, um, that it was actually Darren from Valer's mm-hmm. and, Bruce Giovanno and and the guys that were were starting that yeah so so you know a couple weeks later we ended up uh, you know becoming friends through another mutual friend that I had met there. how was that intro made so you went to the party and then you had a mutual friend that knew them yeah so a, a friend that I had met mountain bike racing growing up he's like dude you gotta connect with this guy Kyle okay and and so he had already you know connected with them yeah and so he introduced me to them and. Because he was he was um, gonna like shoot some video with with Darren or okay. whatever. So I and at that point, so what were you studying at university? Um, I studied geography. Ah, so did I. Yeah. Why did you study that? Well, you know, I've I've always been interested in geography. Yeah. And you know, I had the opportunity to go to university, and that was really what I wanted to pursue because it. Not not necessarily as like a career path within like yeah. geography and you know earth science and and those type of things. It was more just the knowledge base of of you know understanding 
you know, the world around us and, mm-hmm. and the weather systems and those, those types of things. Yeah. That can be applied to a number of things, right? Yeah. And, and that's where I, I saw it applying to what I was interested in doing, you mm-hmm. know, which is, you know, skiing and snowboarding and, yeah. and mountain biking. And, and I started surfing once I moved down there. Yeah. So it was like connecting those, those things, you know, a lot of the projects that I work on, you know, like in, um, geomorphology or whatever, I would do like a study on a, on a beach, I, you know, and I would like, you know, dig into that stuff because it was like, not only did it buy me the opportunity to, um, be in those environments that I wanted to be in, but got me closer to, you know, the ocean and surfing and, mm-hmm. and things like that. So were you really into the school or did you find you started kind of drifting away from it as you got more and more into film photography? Well, I mean, I've, near the end of my university career, I was like already kind of checked out and I luckily I had left like all of my elective courses to the very very end. (laughs) So I kind of like just hustled through all the stuff that I needed for my, you know, major and and minor. And then I was able to just kind of tack on a lot of directed studies, Mm -hmm. which were pretty cool. And I, I ended up choosing just like two photography courses that, um, one was actually an in-class, um, but I convinced the professor that I didn't actually need to come to the class <laughs> and, and I could just hand it. What did you say? You just told him how your photography would benefit from you being out in the field or what? Yeah. And I mean, I just told him that there was, there was opportunities happening and this was kind of when Velours was starting to take off and we, yeah. we were traveling around, um, Canada, yeah, like premiering the the movie that yeah. we had made. So, so if we can rewind a bit, I guess I kind of skipped a part there. So you met uh, who was it from Volaire's? Yeah, Darren uh, and Darren. and Bruce. So yeah. at, the, at the time, they were basically um, just making content and and screen printing t shirts in their basement. Yeah, and people were just like you know associating good times because it'd be you know having big house parties and yeah and uh and get togethers and then you know started making movies so um then it evolved into um premieres and and things like that mm-hmm. so you know we were the, it started to create a brand around it even though it wasn't yeah. really initially planned as as being a business and so it eventually went from just making movies into a clothing brand um which was partially due to um a friend of of ours that we had we had lived in whistler all together a group of our friends yeah and his friend came up for the weekend and and introduced he introduced us to him and, mm-hmm. and he had like connections overseas to to start producing clothing yeah make a clothing line so so the company kind of shifted into into that yeah. and they partnered with him so so that 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 was that was Harvey Lee. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, that was the beginning and just like hanging out with those guys and having the opportunity to, you know, film with them. Yeah. So they were filming me mountain biking and then, um, Bruce, who was one of the founders, he was practicing photography and he was like doing design work and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I just kind of grappled on to uh, what he was doing and, yeah. and, and 
started picking his brain. Then we had another friend who was actually studying in a different school. He was studying photography. So to have like other people around me that were shooting photos, I was like, I want to shoot photos too. Yeah. You know? So I bought like a camera off them and, and started, um, shooting film photos. Yeah. I, I find one of the most important parts of university. I went for yeah three years as well. And the most important part was the networking and just finding like-minded people doing extracurricular stuff. I joined the ski and snowboard club and that was huge. Like the amount yeah. of people you meet and just gain inspiration from it's pretty sweet. It's yeah. Like, can be more important than the degree. I, I thought so too, you know, because you know, at the time you're not really working. So it's, it, 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 I had the free time to start practicing yeah. photography and, you know, occasionally, um, doing some filming as well. And then, and then also like still pursuing my sport, which was mountain biking. And I would do that in the summers cause I had four months off. So we would move up to Whistler in the summer. Yeah. So it's kind of perfect. It's pretty much perfect. Really? Yeah. And, and so, so yeah, that was really the, the beginning of, of like, I guess becoming a photographer, even though it just kind of happened organically that yeah. wasn't really like I wasn't like okay when I'm done school I'm gonna be a photographer you know like I, I hadn't really considered that it was actually I started working for Darren as a filmer mm-hmm. so I I started doing that and that was kind of like my my segue into and did you enjoy it or did you the whole time you were kind of looking over at the photo guys just wanting to do that well I mean I I I enjoy film and I still do some mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. But, um, I've always kind of liked the photo side a little bit mm-hmm. better. Yeah. You know, partially because I, I just am impatient to, to edit footage. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a time suck, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I like the, I like the field work, but I don't prefer the desk work because you know in the summer darren would be locked in his parents basement (laughs) editing the movie right and i'd be like in whistler you know yeah riding mountain bikes and teaching mountain and the whole time you you were a pro biker for a while right yeah 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 uh starting when when was i in university or um i mean i i competed growing up Mm -hmm. so I, i actually started racing downhill um a year early than what the minimum age requirement was nice. so I got a like a special exemption to start competing mm-hmm. and then kind of progressed through and you know I had the opportunity to to go from like the junior level to pro level a year early yeah but I decided to go to university instead okay so, so when you went to university you kind of that was it for you yeah in terms of like pursuing a career in racing yeah um just you know what was the decision behind that well, I mean, part of it was was getting funding to go to school, you know, and, and that was just like a really good opportunity that I wasn't going to pass up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was part of it. And then the other side is, is that it's just a really expensive sport to be involved in. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's expensive. So, and also, man, you get destroyed. Yeah, right? it's like you. Anything could happen. Anything could happen. You're like the equipment is like really expensive, and and at the time, you know, I was kind of like near nearing the end of my sponsorship with the company that I was writing yeah. for, and they weren't really on board to to help me take it to the next level, mm-hmm. and so I just yeah shifted gears and and moved to Whistler to you know 
ride here. Yeah. And now it's like you have all the benefits of being a pro biker or any pro athlete, right? You got to go on all these trips and, uh, and not so much the risk of getting injured and losing your whole career, which is pretty. Yeah. I mean, I, I still, I still do that though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as long as your trigger finger doesn't break, man. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, even then I, th- I think of other, other things that I could do in the event that I, yeah. I did get injured. Yeah. I'm sure I could keep myself busy regardless, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, no, I still, I still put it on the line. Yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> I mean, you need that. Mm. Yeah. You get pretty bored just holding back the whole time. So. Yeah. No, and I, and it's like we were saying earlier, it's like, um, you know, having the opportunities to do other things up on the other side of the lens or, or yeah. Or, and I, I feel like if you're switching up the sports all the time, instead of if you just mountain bike, you'd have to go full send on that. But instead you can transfer some of that energy to like learning how to surf better or like instead of like trying to reach the peak of each sport, you know what I mean? Yeah. And risking it all. Yeah, you no, can get good at one and then just like lay off it a little bit and transfer that to, okay, I'm going to get a bit better at surfing this year instead of killing myself mountain biking. Yeah, that's, that's it. You know? And then the other thing that I consider too, is just keeping it fresh and exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the beauty of living here is that we have all these different seasons that, you know, benefit different activities. So it's like, in the summer, it's like mountain biking and, and like occasionally surfing, but really in the falls when I surf yeah. and that transitions me into the winter. And then, you know, by the time you, you get near the end of the, the each cycle, it's like you, you're kind of getting a little burnt or whatever, <laughs> tired, and then you just switch and do something else. Exactly. And, you know, I've kind of been on that, that like revolving cycle of, of just following sports. the seasons. Yeah. Yeah. And that's you know been ongoing for i guess probably nine years now yeah so just going from one to the other and does that kind of prevent burnout in your work because essentially your work will be staying the same as you're switching sports but just the variation in activity that allows you to stay fresh and excited about everything yeah yeah i think both um mentally as as a participant in those sports Mm -hmm. as well as the work that's related you know I i think on both accounts if I was just shooting one thing I feel like I would get bored of it yeah know? and then that would translate into your work being kind of boring too yeah right yeah if, if you're always doing the same thing and I'm not saying that it's a bad thing mm-hmm. to to be focused on one thing you know if you want to be really successful in in a certain aspect of say photography it's more valuable to be a specialist in one but I I just personally like to to do a little bit of everything yeah you know because i i I enjoy it and like we like we said it's like you're you're mixing it up and you're not getting burnt on doing those one things so yeah agreed like so by not specializing sure you may be leaving some money on the table but all in all you you seem to really deep down be in this for the lifestyle right yeah exactly I'm, yeah i'm in it for the the lifestyle and the adventures and and you know trying to do stuff that's a little bit different you know as well and, and have my own personal flair on 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 the things that i do yeah so so yeah it's really it keeps me sane <laughs> yeah exactly just <laughs> you know like man, yeah, if, if anyone hasn't checked out mason's instagram feed go check it out because it's <laughs> I look at it and every day it's something new. Like you're up at the TP mountain biking or 
don't know. You you were just uh, you say where, where were you again on that mountain biking trip? Were you in Turkey? Oh uh, yeah, I went to Turkey. Yeah, Turkey mountain biking. Yeah, it's just like a crazy variation in lifestyles. Yeah, it's uh, there's no consistency. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, do you uh, kind of goes against the. Do you need the routine mold, in your life? Do you ever crave it, or are you you happy being on the road and just not having? No, I I don't really have routine. I, I don't really want routine. Yeah either i kind of like having freedom actually i really like having freedom <laughs> so how does what does your schedule typically look like do, do you have uh like kind of big shoots planned at the start of every year that you know you're going to do and then you kind of just fill th- things in in between as you go or yeah i mean i try and keep it open for the most part yeah um but yeah like there'll be stuff that that'll be scheduled Mm-hmm. for certain dates and depending on the scale and size of the project and then the other times it's just like calls you know I'll get, yeah. get a phone call and be like oh you want to do this go to Japan for <laughs> two weeks or whatever yeah and it's like yes yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and having the the <laughs> the time to to be able to to say yes to those things exactly it's really in, in my it must feel pretty unreal looking back at kind of where you came from and now getting these offers and I'm sure you're turning down some offers that you can't even imagine that you would have had yeah before, I mean, right like, too many to do yeah I mean there's there's definitely times where it's like all of them all of those calls come at the same time yeah you know do you remember your first paid photography project um, it was yeah so the first one that was like proper photo job was actually the world ski and snowboard festival yeah um i think it was 2009 so it's like the year after um i moved up to western yeah. school and they wanted me to shoot basically just the the festival all the events okay. and, and whatnot yeah and how did you get that did you have a website at the time with all your work on it because I, th- I feel like a lot of people getting into something creative they struggle getting that first client was right. it I just word saw, of mouth i think i saw an advertisement oh, okay yeah they had like a call so i just like applied for it and yeah and got it um and then the next year i entered the pro photographer showdown mm-hmm. as a wild card and got in yeah and it was like that was that's like a whole different story really um well we got time man <laughs> if you want to get into it let's yeah, go i mean i can, I can yeah tell do a little story. brief out. i'd like to yeah. i haven't heard it so well i mean that that was really the the launching point to actually becoming a professional photographer yeah. and even personally like feeling like you were a professional yeah yeah exactly and like dedicating it was like okay this is it like i'm gonna do this now mm-hmm. um so that was the that was the turning point yeah for sure so to get into that competition, they had put an open call for entries for photographers. You submit a three-minute slideshow, and then they review it and then choose a wild card to be a part of the competition. Okay. Which is, um, you know, I'm sure some of the viewers might might know of it, um, but it's it's a fairly coveted photographer. Yeah, it's well known. So yeah, people that don't know, the Pro Photographer Showdown happens every year in what uh, the World Ski and Snowboard Fest. In April, I guess. Yeah, yeah. here in Whistler, and it's just six photographers, I think. Maybe yeah, I think it's five. Some, yeah. sometimes six, but I think it's five usually. They have a. You could probably know the rules better than I do. A week to shoot. No, no, no. This no. is like your life's work. Oh, it's life's work. Okay, yeah. see, so, I don't even know everything about so it. So it's uh, you have to produce a nine-minute slideshow, 
and present it to yeah you know a sold out audience sells out every year yeah and then, so you know, there's a panel of judges and and then winner takes all yeah so so anyway yeah I, uh, I entered this and I, I put together the three minute slideshow and I basically included every single good photo that I'd ever taken yeah yeah <laughs> up to this point you know because I'd, I'd only been you know shooting part-time here and there like, yeah when we were you know in school and and uh you know go on the occasional trip and like maybe the odd time in the backcountry so I really didn't have um have a body of work at all so when I got that phone call I was like I was like oh man like yes like this is awesome like, I can't believe I got in like yeah. it's crazy and then I hung up the phone and and I was like oh no <laughs> I don't have any photos. I mean, I've got to fill nine minutes. Now. Yeah, you tried. So. You did three minutes, and it <laughs> yeah. just burst your portfolio. And yeah, now was, you have to do another nine. So I was like, "Oh, geez, how am I going to do this?" I mean, it's not like they released those, so I could reuse them. But now it's like, okay, I, I need to, I need to get on this. Yeah. So basically, right then and there, I was like, I was on the island at the time, but uh, I came back to Whistler told my my job I was working at a steakhouse like night shifts like uh, cooking and I just told the chef I was like listen like I can't really come into work for the next <laughs> little bit and like they were like super lenient with us is it's actually like a pretty awesome night job because like Darren worked there Harvey worked there Shane one of like the athletes for Valeurs worked there so we all kind of worked okay in the same place yeah and we'd always be like showing up late because you know like sleds would break down or whatever you know we'd be out <laughs> filming and and trying to do both like every day and and uh, so anyway I just told them I was like like I have this opportunity and I, I have to I have to leave and and start shooting photos for a couple of weeks yeah yeah so I basically have about a month to uh, to just get as many images as I possibly so can. what was the game plan. I just jumped in my truck and started driving. So I was like, it was, it was March and that year, which was 2010, it was a really good spring. Mm -hmm. So we were getting like these wicked snow cycles that came in cold, lots of snow. So I was like going from like deep powder and then, and then bombed into the interior, went and shot mountain biking and cantaloupes, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then saw, like, there's a swell coming, Man. so, like, went out to the coast, shot surfing, and then that same storm that was producing <laughs> the surf came on shore, dumped snow again, and yeah. it was just, like, I was just chasing the weather around and, and basically just, like, driving around nonstop. That's the beauty of where we live. Yeah. It it's like insane. Going from, yeah. like, t-shirt weather in, in, like, our semi-arid deserts, you know, and, and then into the mountains, into, like the deepest snow so were you solo and then at each place you went to you kind of hit up the local athletes that you knew yeah pretty much yeah yeah okay yeah so i still had like friends in you know on the island and and then you know friends from mountain biking in the interior and, mm -hmm. and yeah i just went on like a, a photo quest for a couple of weeks and i mean and looking back like it's it really wasn't a very strong slideshow because you know, <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was, it was, it was, it was I can't wait to check it out man if it's on the internet so well no I never even posted it no no, no you I, should I, man yeah I, I don't know I wasn't like I was proud of it at the time but yeah it's like I don't know it's not really what I 
would have hoped. Yeah, it's cool for you just to have it, right? And And know where you came from. And like I said before, it was it was like that opportunity was like the launching point for my career as a photographer. It's like I'm I'm gonna dedicate to this and and just go on. Was it was there a minute where you were kinda trying to decide if you should even take off work to do this? Like whether you were no, 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 I was like, knew. I was like, this is crazy. This is big, yeah. you know. And I, I knew the scale of of what it what it could be, and and uh, so yeah, I was I was committed to just going all in on it, and yeah. do the best that I could, you know. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, I was going up against guys that, you know, like Brian um, Bailman, who who won it. He yeah. he'd been shooting surfing for 25 years already <laughs> exactly man <laughs> you know, and yeah I, and i was 25 <laughs> yeah <laughs> so but it's like yeah how I mean, like, necessary is that pressure though you know to put yourself in a position where you have to just figure it out and put together a slideshow sure it wasn't something that it wasn't your strongest work but you went and you did it right yeah went and did it and i did it all myself too yeah you know i did all the, the editing and pieced it together and, yeah and i was i was proud of it at the end of the day like yeah okay you know, I, was, yeah. I was happy with what i had been able to produce mm-hmm. in that given the conditions that I kind of, <laughs> set, kind of set myself up for but yeah uh, but yeah it uh it was exciting and yeah just the opportunity to be on that stage with those those people yeah. who are you know now my my peers and mentors yeah um it was yeah it was just a, a great opportunity and and really just like the the push over the edge to be like yeah you know like you, could, you can make a crack. Yeah, exactly. I I feel like uh, you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the it's more of like an inside feeling that was beneficial from doing that contest, right? Yeah. Like just for you personally to feel. Yeah, it's like, like yeah, I can. I I can be on this level, like I can, yeah, you know, because you know I'd, I'd sell like occasionally a magazine photo here and there or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, still not really getting that many photo jobs, you know, making films. Um, was was kind of the priority. Yeah. But I was also shooting photos at the same time, so I'd like be filming, and then I'd have a photo camera. So I I was like just hustling it pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like just to do it because I loved it. You know, like mm-hmm. I wanted to be out there. You know, in in the yeah. back. Country. And probably just driven by in the back of your mind, you're just stoked you're not in the kitchen, right? Yeah. At the, at the steakhouse. <laughs> For sure. You know, I didn't really see that the opportunity until that that kind of materialize that whole yeah when you're uh test. when you're out there shooting do you ever get bummed out that you're kind of missing moments or are you pretty good at balancing like how does it work if you go out on a three-day mountain bike shoot you're somewhere beautiful you've always wanted to go uh, are you able to kind of section off the times when you're shooting and versus just experiencing something because i struggle with that with video yeah i mean there's definitely times where you you, you know if you feel like you just slogging um but i definitely try and take the time just to reflect and yeah and soak in what what i'm actually seeing and mm-hmm. experiencing and i think more so in in the last year i've been trying to do that even more so just like not even picking the camera up just like absorbing yeah you know like just just enjoying the things that i'm seeing and doing and yeah and like yeah just kind of yeah, just for more of a personal effect, you know. Yeah, in the age of Instagram, it's sometimes hard to remember that. Yeah, but I mean, trying... you know, if the, if the opportunity for like a beautiful photo presents itself, I'm, yeah, you know, I'll I'll take the initiative. Yeah, to pull out the camera and try and capture yeah. it or whatever. Um, 
but yeah, being more selective as well mm. in those those situations as to when when to shoot and when not to. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So that's you, something that I think has has happened more more and more recently as I've matured. Yeah, when you first go in your early days when you're shooting, I feel like you just shoot everything. You're just yeah. Yeah, all day and then, all, all day like no matter how good or bad the light you know yeah and, and, and discard the first two days because they were shit and then yeah you realize that you don't need to do that yeah just be smart about it work smart exactly yeah yeah, yeah you seem very chill <laughs> is that just kind of the way you've been always you seem very calm um like so we went on a surfing trip it was you me bushy chris we went out to nutka island in his plane and did some surfing out there and Chris told me after, I think you were actually shooting a project while we were out there. Yeah, I mean, I'm always... You're always kind of shooting. shooting yeah. that, like, because it's such an interesting thing yeah. for me to, to document and be a part of. Um, and it's kind of an ongoing, I guess, journal, really. Yeah. Of, uh, of what we've been experiencing yeah. out there. But just the way you operated, you were just so chill the whole time. I had no idea you were even shooting just very methodical with your camping gear and stuff too that's something that chris and i've taken away yeah. like the way you camp was so much more organized than we were <laughs> i don't know if that's <laughs> yeah. taken a long time to develop but yeah i mean you I've, had everything i've, I've definitely i've definitely learned a lot mm-hmm. um especially on those those trips you know what what to bring and then you know once you're out there and you're kind of in the rhythm whatever and you realize what you use and what you don't use it's the yeah. same as the photo thing that we were just talking about. Yeah. The first trip, you bring all your shit. Yeah. You <laughs> and then like you realize, man, that it's yeah. like, okay, I didn't use the slack line. I'm not bringing that this time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, like, we were bringing, like, stand-up paddle boards to like, <laughs> use for fishing. Yeah. And then, and tried to downsize, so we brought, like, a, a kayak. And then this one, one time we were out there, I, I was fishing in the kayak and I snapped my fishing rod yeah because I snagged it on the bottom I was trying to like yank the hook and uh the current was pulling as well yeah. and I just like snap like thing cracked in half and I was like hmm well now what am I gonna do so I ended up finding a piece of foam um that it, like it's like a net float yeah there's and so much of that on the west coast right? yeah there's yeah. so many little little From things Japan. that wash up and and i was like hmm well what if i just tied some fishing line around this yeah threw a lure on it mm-hmm. and then i can put it in my wetsuit like chest flap and then i can just go surf and then when i'm done surfing i just pull the hook out and drop it in the water and just hand jig <laughs> so I started catching fish like that, you know? So I was like, now I don't even need to bring a fishing rod or yeah. an inflatable yeah. thing, you know? I can just sit on my surfboard and yeah. fish with my hands. Or you guys are carving your own wakeboards out of wood and all that stuff, right? Yeah. Just travel lightly and use the, what's around you. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty resourceful. Yeah, that's it, really. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. The more time you really spend out there kind of in those situations, the, the more you the more you learn and and mm-hmm. and then you know change your your program for yeah. the next time so i want to talk a bit about you and bushy so sure. for people that don't know rory bushfield you two are obviously very tight um i don't know i feel you guys are together all the time there's got to be some good stories that i haven't heard <laughs> that you guys just getting into some trouble with the plane or something like that oh yeah i mean we've we've had a our, our fair share of incidents i guess together i mean some of them 
plane related like the first time we actually did a, a plane trip together yeah um, I did write a story about it um, yeah in uh, it was in mountain Life. yeah yeah, yeah. Might, you can go through it though I yeah so so basically you know we we had landed on this beach and and we were like kind of assessing like how t- how high the tide would come and Rory had like he had landed on a beach like a couple weeks before I think and didn't really push the plane back and just camped under the yeah. wing overnight. And first of all, let's talk about the size of the wheels he was he had oh, at yeah, the time. Man. I think they're only twelve inch. Like, twelve inch wheels like, on a Cessna. Yeah, which one, is one seventy two. Yeah, so, very small wheels to land on a beach. Small yeah. wheels and it was a tricycle like landing gear, so it was a nose wheel. And uh, so we had landed and we're like, okay, we we taxied the plane as high as we could. And then the sand got really soft, so it got stuck, yeah. right? So now we're like, okay, well, let's get some some logs and just whatever scrap wood we can find mm-hmm. on the beach so that we can build, like, a, a wooden pathway to push the plane on. Okay. So we're kind of just, like, hanging out and, like, you know, started arranging, like, where we'd camp and started sinking logs into the sand to hang hammocks, etc. And... <clears throat> And then we're like kind of watching the tide. We're like, it's getting pretty high. Like, maybe we should push the plane back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? like, so, so we're we're like, okay, let's let's do this. And we're using like pretty janky pieces of wood. You know, a lot of it's like driftwood, crooked, and like you know, worn off, like rounded ends, and not really easy to transfer from like board to board. So it's right, right, a lot it's of work. taking a while. Yeah, it's like going this a is a pretty slower. big plane. Yeah, I mean it's like it probably weighs like fourteen hundred pounds, mm-hmm. um, maybe yeah, something like that yeah. with gear, maybe a little more. But uh, yeah, we started pushing the plane up, and and at this point, the tide started to push quite quickly, and we're like, oh shit, like <laughs> we need to get on this like now because like so we're like hustling like trying to push and. The nose wheel is like falling off the piece of wood and it's getting stuck in the sand. And like, if you've ever stood on like a like a sandy beach, when the water comes up and it oscillates, that sand like liquefies, right? Yep. So, <laughs> yeah. So you can imagine this plane, which is vibrating in the wind, is like like at one point the nose wheel had fallen off the wood and was like completely submerged in the sand. And Rory's like running to the back of the plane and like prying on the tail to lift the nose wheel out, and I'm at the front jamming a piece of wood <laughs> the nose wheel to get it like back, and then and then we start pushing it, and then and then this wave comes in and it triples up. So like as the waves kind of get like up the shoreline, yeah. they push together as they slow down, and then it just like all pushes up at once. And so we're using pieces of wood, right? (laughs) Pretty boy. So you can imagine. This wave pushes up, almost like touches the belly of the plane, grabs all the pieces of wood that we were about to transfer onto and washes them like 30 feet down the beach. And at this point, we're like, holy shit, like we're in trouble. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like running to get it and like... And then we, like, run back, put it into place, then we have to, like... I'm using literally all the strength that I have... Yeah. ...to, like, 
this muscleless thing to get onto the next piece of wood so that we can keep going. And it's like you can't really push it that straight, you know, because it's it's like one one side's resisting, and then you know, it's it's just such a such a show and a and a full on like fight or flight survival mode. Like, yeah, more strength than you even knew you had. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we we struggled with that for about an hour and twenty maybe an hour and a half I don't know time was just dilating and yeah. we were just like going as hard as we could to to just get the how plane. far did you move the plane like how many feet did you make it um, we had to we ended up probably pushing it from that initial point when we're like hmm the tide's getting up <laughs> to the eventual parking spot which was probably about 70 feet okay so it's really not that far but mm-hmm. it's just hard hard to move an yeah like that and soft sand. So yeah. eventually, you guys made it there. Yeah. So we were just racing against it. Yeah. You know? Like there's, we just kept pushing. Was there pushing. a moment where you just thought you guys were fucked completely? Well, when that when yeah, those that wood pieces like washed away yeah. and like you know the front wheel had been like lodged in the sand and we were like, oh man, if this thing, if if it, like if we don't get it up there, it's gonna melt into the sand and be stuck and then maybe like you know probably drown the engine or something you know for sure and it's salt water it's salt water <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, you, can, you can only imagine that those yeah. things don't mix <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> so it was a very stressful situation um and also a very valuable learning, learning experience, experience. Yeah. i was just gonna say because then i don't know how long it was after that we did our trip and it seemed pretty dialed we came in everybody dragged the plane up yeah well i mean i think that i think we did that one in his his 180 so oh, okay, he, different. Yeah, he yeah. sold the the one seventy two and, and and bought the one eighty. Oh, the seagull feather. Is, yeah, which yeah. is a tail dragger. Put the bush tires on. Yeah. So that's a much more capable machine. Yeah. For, for that kind of stuff, now he can just like drive right up to the back of the beach. Yeah. No problem. Yeah, no problem. You know, um, but uh, that next trip, we just brought strips of plywood. Right. And. We had the plane pushed back and parked in, you know, 20 minutes. There you go. It's, uh, yeah, <laughs> so you'll never like, forget, man. It's like, yeah, you you just don't know those, those, those things. When you're you pushing the there. boundary, like, no one does what that, the surf surf trip by plane. No one really does that. No, right? not so really. You gotta, you gotta no, learn here. on I mean, your own. Like, in, in Alaska, there's a lot of bush pilots, yeah. but there's no one, no one around here to really kind of mentor that, that whole situation. Exactly. And so we just kind of... Founding fathers. Yeah, we just went for it and, and, you know, learned the hard way. Yeah, yeah exactly. All is well. And I guess more recently, you guys have the teepee set up, which I'm sure some people have seen because I think that's in Mountain Life. It's in, in the Seeking Nirvana ski videos. Um, yeah, what's tell people about the teepee a little bit. How'd that come to be? Well, I've always been interested in the backcountry, and I also like camping as well, and I wanted to combine both of those things um and so i was like kind of looking around for different different ways to do it you know wall tents or whatever and and then i just like i just clued in like i I have first nations heritage Mm -hmm. um so i was like why wouldn't i just use a teepee yeah you know like it it makes the most sense to me what were you thinking before a teepee well i was like oh maybe wall tent or like a you know, or like an Arctic oven or yeah. whatever, you know, something like that. Yeah. Where you could have a fire inside 
um, ideally, because then if you wanted to be out in the snow and all day, you know, you, all your stuff gets wet. So it's mm-hmm. like you want to be able to dry off at the end of the day and have like a portable unit. Um, so I was like, well, you know, I think I think the TP is the the way to go because it's like the shape being a cone yep. is is great for shedding snow. And True. Yeah. It also shears wind as opposed to catches wind. You know, like I went up to Alaska the year before I had got the TP and and I was camping in my little tent and it's like it's tiny can't do anything yeah it's like i just go in there to sleep you know like my buddies had their rv and we'd hang out on that but i would sleep in my tent every night um and i was just like yeah this is want something a little more social yeah and just like a little bit more like useful Mm -hmm. you know um so yeah i decided so you relied on a tool that was made (laughs) hundreds of years ago Thousands. Right? Yeah, yeah, thousands. I mean, that, so effective. The, the teepee is a tried and true design. Yeah. And, yeah, it just made sense both culturally for me personally yeah. and practically. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> once the light bulb came on, it was just a no-brainer. So, so I got it, and then I brought it up to Alaska, and that was the first time that I... Oh, really? You did it in Alaska first? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, so I went up there and spent three weeks. And do you get it up by sled? Uh, yeah, kind of sled it. It was yeah. pretty, still pretty close to the road, but you're like, I mean, you're basically in the Alpine and you're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So I just wanted to be kind of away from all the, you know, RVs and generators and things mm-hmm. like that. So I could just, you know. It's crazy how far you have to go now to really find your own space. Do you find, like, I mean, if you ski Whistler Mountain, you just see how big the lineups are for all the chairs and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Well. got to keep pushing. Yeah, I mean, there's it, there's definitely the low-hanging fruit areas, <laughs> and those are, are getting really busy. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, to be honest, you don't really have to go that much further to, to have your own space um, if you're just willing to put in that little bit of extra effort. Yeah. You know, whether it's research or just exploring and, and finding that stuff on yeah. your own. So, but... Um, but yeah, I mean, back to the teepee, it was like, when I had finally gotten one, I had the intentions of, of setting up setting it up around Whistler, mm-hmm. you know, and to use it throughout the winter. Um, yeah, just a hub to ski from and stay yeah. overnight. Yeah, just yeah. To, you know, set it up and stay the night and, you know, ride out a storm. And that's pretty much what we did. We'd just go in whenever it was storming. Yeah. And we pretty much were there for every good storm that came from like the end of December until yeah. basically April. Yeah. So and yeah, you guys got a lot of attention for that one too, it seems. Like working with yeah, I guess Jan Olsten, Pro Skier stopped by and you're doing a bit with Bradley Friesen now, the helicopter pilot yeah. in Vancouver, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean everyone was pretty pretty psyched on it. It took a while to kinda of convince some of the guys to get up there. Yeah. You know, it was like we're having a lot of fun. <laughs> But uh, either way, it wasn't really my, my objective. No, to, no, and yeah, to, not at all. To do that, it's yeah. just like to to live it and, and yeah. have that experience. And and I loved it, and my girlfriend loved it as well. And and um, yeah, it was just such a good winter. Yeah. Here that it was to just like 
dedicate my time to doing something like that more personally and just enjoying yeah you know like instead of always like chasing down the next thing to shoot or whatever and then know? what about interactions with the people that you go up with there go up there with because you have obviously you have no internet i don't know you probably had a bit of cell service but uh yeah just the way you interact with people when there's no distractions oh it's it's the best yeah yeah like there's no cell service there's um yeah there's like i rarely i just keep my phone off you know yeah i just disconnect yeah which is nice yeah <laughs> it's really nice like not just not having any any distractions mm-hmm. and to be honest i have never slept better right you know yeah without having any like noises and you know electromagnetic fields and, <laughs> you know all that stuff that yeah. kind of like distracts you and and it's just yeah i slept so good yeah yeah you just on the snow pretty much too it was like I had like some cedar boughs a yoga mat and a tarp <laughs> for like a vapor barrier and i slept in that yeah back. yeah one of the best trips i've done uh, we we're going to maui just on like a surf trip with a couple friends and we were going to get an Airbnb, and then last minute we just decided to get a Westphalia. Yeah. And just stay in that the whole time. And it's, yeah, no internet, and you all wake up in this tiny, confined space. You're just going to go surfing at 530. You're not going to go checking your Facebook and stuff. Yeah. Right? And yeah. you're just out the door. Yeah, you're, just, so you're fun. just right there. Yeah, and, and again, yeah, I slept so well in my hammock every night. And you just socialize, and you talk to people, and, and tell stories, and, you know, laugh, and make meals, and whatever, cut wood. and yeah tell jokes it's it's just like it's just a really enjoyable thing to do with your with your friends you mm-hmm. know on any scale really just like yeah you don't even need a teepee no i mean just you can go. just go just go, just go out somewhere there and camp and, <laughs> yeah you know and I, I do it in the summer too and and i i really enjoy that just like the disconnect is is a, another really thing that helps balance out you know an enjoyable life mm-hmm. you know yeah have you when it comes to kind of setting goals and stuff, do you find uh, you have to balance? Because it's easy just to want to be, I don't know, like a, the best photographer in the world, but then in pursuing that, you could kind of miss a lot of experiences along the way. Like, do you consciously set out your goals, or do you just kind of move forward month by month? Or You know, to be honest, I, I, I kind of just let it unfold. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like life will life will give you the things that you you want you know if um if you project yourself that way mm-hmm. so i mean i don't set any like unattainable like major goals or anything you yeah. know kind of just i mean maybe that's just like a a, a lack of foresight but i also just like the no, way i think you're doing things, it right man things uh things happen you know organically and you know i think also just pursuing your own dreams you know the opportunities will will come from that you know like this whole tp thing i never thought it would have got as much attention as it did yeah um but the amount that it did and you know just like kind of dedicating myself to just doing my own thing ended up being more helpful to my yeah. friend as a photographer than like just crazy shooting photos exactly so because it was so true to who you are it is in so yeah. many ways it's true to who i am yeah and and it's it's also just like kind of a different way to go about you know yeah not that, that 
I'm not saying I'm the only person. No, 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 no. I know. Like, I'm not. I, I definitely don't. There's a lot of people that that go out and do yeah. pretty crazy. But stuff. basically, you went out there just kind of scratch your own itch for just disconnecting and doing something new, and in turn, people found that interesting because it was yeah, exactly yeah. what I want to do. Right on. Yeah. No, it was, it was really fun. And, Sweet. Uh, I mean, it's really not over. It's not over, man. <laughs> you know, the teepees like, will get bigger. Well, and I the mean, views will get better. Well, what it, what I plan to do is just keep collecting teepee poles and yeah. and strategically locating them. Yeah. In my favorite places. Yeah, Mount Curry's calling, man. <laughs> like it's the place to go. Cool. Yeah. Well, what's next? Anything coming up that or anywhere that you want people to check you out? Um, I mean, this summer I've got a couple couple little projects on the go. A couple more personal things that I would like to do. I want to go check out the eclipse yeah down in oregon yeah yeah was that august 24th or something uh, i think it's 21st 21st if people yeah. are listening to this in 2017 check out the eclipse it's gonna yeah, be a good I mean, one we'll see we'll are see. you gonna photograph it i was talking to a friend about it because it's gonna be so covered man oh yeah i i think I'd, i would like to take some pictures for sure just for personal yeah um but uh Oh yeah, my, my dad's gonna go down, and awesome. he, he was the one that kind of tipped me off. But I, I'm the only my only concern is that there's gonna be so, so many, many people, people down there. Man. Everyone I know and is messaging like, me. P- people that aren't even outdoorsy. Yeah. <laughs> so that that part's a little discouraging because I you know, like based on what you know me, I don't like <laughs> to be surrounded by people. Really, man? Um, I thought you loved shopping malls <laughs> in but, Toronto. But I, you know, I I think it's just such a, a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, celestially. And, and not to mention good for everyone for getting out there, right? Yeah. It's awesome that people are going out to see that. Yeah. So I've I got to think strategically how <laughs> I want to get involved and in, in find a place this where eclipse. I, can, I can view it. So I'm thinking probably bring mountain bikes down there and, yeah. and uh, my Don't girlfriend. Don't tell anyone. My girlfriend Don't tell anyone and where I, you're going. And we'll just find a trail to ride up and awesome. go camping. Cool. In the mountains or something like that. Right on. So we'll see, but who knows? Like I, I know the logistics of getting in to the the path that the eclipse is going to take is going to be a bit of a, a show. So, it's pretty tight. Well, it's just, where you can view it from. Well, I think it's like seventy miles mm-hmm. wide, like the total eclipse. Path. Yeah. But that, like, obviously, it's going to stretch across the entire continental U.S. So, so I mean, there's a lot of area that you can go, but just like, it's more just like the traffic that's going to be clogging yeah. the roads. Yeah. You know. So. Such a contrast between the event. Yeah. And everyone viewing it, like the logistics. Yeah. It's such a natural, cool thing. Yeah, and like people, people <laughs> and it's are just going traffic. People are going nuts down there. They're like Airbnb like their backyards yeah. for like hundreds of dollars you know yeah <laughs> like to just put up a tent you know yeah. it's like i don't really want to like spend thousands of dollars on on sleeping mm-hmm. in someone's backyard you know yeah. like no thanks <laughs> I, I have a strong feeling you'll find a cool place to watch it yeah and I, I think i just need to do a bit more research and then also just have the the time before to get it to get into position and yeah just post up and see it through let the show happen all right so yeah if you want to find mason try and hunt him down during the eclipse 
He'll be down there. <laughs> Try and poach his spot. Just follow his truck. He's got a big... Yeah, big, Robert, Robert Redford, I call him. Robert Redford will be going down. Yeah, and I guess if you want to check out Mason's work, Instagram, probably the best spot, and your website. Yeah. So yeah, spelling... Yeah. MasonMachon.com, M-A-S-O-N, and then Machon's just M-A-S-H-O-N. That's right. There you go. Yeah. All right, cool. Thanks for doing this, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, thanks, man. Thank you for listening, everybody. If you enjoyed it, you can head over to iTunes. Feel free to subscribe, or you can check out the website, and we also post these podcasts on YouTube. If you enjoyed it, you can leave a review on iTunes, and you can also subscribe to the monthly email.